Well, I know for many of you, you have big dates in your life that you remember as, man, God did something amazing. Um, So it could be your salvation. Uh, For many of you, uh, you might think about your high school graduation or your college graduation. You might think about when you got married. But for me, one of the biggest days of my life was December 20th, 2013. And that's the day that I became a father And that's the day that my wife became a mother. My son, my firstborn son, Henry Ryan, was born. And I remember beholding him that day and just being filled with a love that I didn't know I had. But at the same time, I felt this great sense of responsibility. I'm sure your parents, you can relate to that. God gave me a son that belongs to God. And I would be called as a father, my wife as a mother, to care for him, make sure that he would grow in the fear and admonition of the Lord, to see him who was made in God's image, to become somebody that would bring praise and glory to Christ. And so feeling that great responsibility and being a young man who had never been a father before, I also had this sense of concern, of even worry. Like, how do I keep a newborn son alive? I'm supposed to parent, and I'm not sure I know how to hold him. I remember the first time I held my son, the nurse spun him around like a football, like, like, like she was a professional at this, and then handed him to me. And I hold him, and I'm like, like this, and my eyes are bulging, and I'm worried that I'm going to drop him. And I think that my wife is more like, you're going to squeeze him too hard. (laughs) Parenting is a weighty task. When I became a new parent, I felt like the people around me all kind of looked at me like, you've got this, this is all right, you've got this. And of course, I had a lot of friends in my life and people that I looked up to, and they seemed to have it. Like they knew what they were doing. But inside I was like, how can I take up this mantle of being a parent of this child that God has given me? Well, from those early days until this very morning, my wife and I have been on this great journey of parenting. One of getting ready to be parents. We wanted to be ready. To one of being along for the ride of parenting. To one of feeling like on occasion that we figured some things out. To the very next moment, wondering if we know at all what we're doing. So to quote another pastor on parenting, he said that parenting is this sacred, especially with younger kids and teenagers, a smelly, exciting, crushing, amazing, often frustrating, and always expensive task. It's one of the most important things that people will ever get to do. And then the pastor asks, Who is sufficient for these things? And I've often asked the same question. Am I sufficient for this? How could I be sufficient for this? Now, of course, rightly understood, parenting is a humbling thing. And God intends to humble parents so that we would depend more deeply on him to do works in our children that only God is sufficient to do. So who is sufficient for this weighty task? The good news for moms and dads is that God equips Christian parents. He equips them with wisdom. And he especially does that through his word. 
so that we can steward well this calling to parenting and to do so for his glory and for the good of our children. The way that God does this, the way that God equips parents, is through the parent's own personal discipleship. And it's through this discipleship that parents are being equipped for the weighty and amazing task of parenting. And it's important that God continues to do this because parents are always needing to be on their toes for the next thing. Well, this morning's sermon, of course, as I'm giving this introduction, you know it's first and foremost for you moms and dads out there. And I hope that it's an encouragement to you who will soon be parents. But I also want all of you to think of yourselves as disciples, as disciples of the Lord. And no matter what it is, what the application of your discipleship, it's always to make other disciples. And parenting is about discipleship. Proverbs is this treasure trove of wisdom for every part of life. But it's especially wisdom for people like teachers, people like parents, people like pastors, for leaders. It's packed full of wisdom to pass along to others who come along after us. For more mature believers to pour into less mature people. Proverbs is a book with discipleship training at its heart. And so as Paul Tripp put it in his parenting book, there is nothing more important in your life than to be one of God's tools to form a human soul. A tool to take the discipleship that you've received and that you are walking in and to pass it along to your children if your parents, that they might receive that discipleship and so walk in it. So for the rest of the sermon, what I would like to do is to give four discipleship priorities that come from the book of Proverbs. And then we're going to apply them specifically to parenting, coupled with our prayers, all in hopes of seeing that children at FBC would embrace the faith and walk with our Lord. But before I do that, I know that this doesn't always happen. I want to preach some things to you who are children. I want to give you some encouragement. Children, especially if you're at home, it is to your great benefit for your eternity, for your life, for your soul, that you grow up in the wisdom and discipleship that your loving Christian parents are trying to pour into your life. The book of Proverbs was written as a father writing to his son, sharing the wisdom that he has gleaned in his life, from God and through the scriptures and passing it along to his son. So you heard it in the text that Chris read. It says, Hear my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like you would silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. 
guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. So kids, your parents have a great and weighty and wonderful task of being your parents. They love it and they love you. And though they're not perfect, they're no doubt seeking to do their best as your parents to pour the gospel and discipleship into your lives. You should learn to treasure the wisdom that your parents are seeking to pass along to you. So let's get to those four key discipleship priorities from Proverbs. You know, you could actually come up with many more, uh, but that would be a really long sermon. Uh, So these four, I thought, captured well um, the heart of the book of Proverbs, and you can find others yourself if you would like to. So here's the four. We'll unpack each one of them. Number one is fear the Lord. Number two is treasure God's word. Number three is to receive correction. And number four is to learn self-control. And what I'm going to do with this, since we're connecting it to discipleship, is that parents, you need to have each one of these at work and growing in your life, and then you should seek to help your children to see the need for each one in their lives. So let's take number one. Parents, fear the Lord yourselves and teach your children that they should fear the Lord. Now, this might not come up as number one in a lot of parenting lists, but it does in Proverbs. Just seven verses into the book of Proverbs, we hear this in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if we're being led by Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is top priority. That we should teach our children that they should fear the Lord. Now, of course, we need to know what this means and why it's important. So here's what it means. The fear of the Lord as the beginning of knowledge means that something happens to us when we know fully who God is, what he's like, what his nature is. And we have something happen to us when we have a proper understanding of who we are as God's creatures, as people made in his image, and of course as sinners in need of his grace. So Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is true understanding. So knowing God and ourselves properly affects who we are and how we relate to the Lord. And namely, that we would fear Him. So in what ways can we help children to understand their need to fear the Lord? Well, this would mean that we need to teach fully to children who God is and what he is like. We need to teach them that he is holy, that he is just, that he is judge. And of course, we would do that alongside who he is as a loving father, as one who desires to save, as one who sustains us every day and gives us joy. Children need to know who God is. Children need to know that their lives, even their child lives, are in the hands of God. That God is the one who numbers our days. So knowing this, Psalm 90, verse 12, teaches us wisdom. It says, so teach us to number our days 
that we would give you a heart of wisdom. And also, of course, knowing the fear of the Lord must include that we understand well that we are sinners. And that if we are lost as fallen sinners, then we are in great need to be made right with Him. Without a Savior, there's no hope for the forgiveness of sin that we need. And if we don't know that, then we won't have a fear for the Lord and we won't seek it from Him. The fear of the Lord is what helps us to know that we need mercy, that we're not entitled to eternal life. Now, our God, Hebrews 12, 29 says, is a consuming fire. We need to know that. The fool in Proverbs actually despises this knowledge and wisdom and therefore has no fear of God. This also is said in Psalm 14, 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God And as a result, the verse says that they are corrupt, they do abominable deeds, there is none who does good. So there's something about knowing who God is and knowing that how we should relate to him that results in how we live our lives. So teaching a child that God is holy and that we are sinners by the help of the Holy Spirit can give the supernatural grace that we all need, that they need, in order to fear God and as a result, see their need for the gospel. Jesus even commanded that we should have this kind of fear, that we would know that there is a danger that we are in as sinners. And so he called on us to appropriately fear God. He says this in Luke 14. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, they can do nothing more to you. No, I tell you who to fear. Fear the one who, after the death of the body, has the power to destroy both soul and body in hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So in this we see that this fear of the Lord that we need is not just an Old Testament teaching. It's one taught by the Lord Jesus himself. Now, there's much more that we could say on this point. But just for this morning, I want to zero in on this reason for the priority of teaching children that they need to fear the Lord. And that's this, that by God's grace, learning the fear of the Lord can lead them to rightly see that they need a Savior. It opens the door for the gospel. You know, the the goal of Christian parenting cannot be behavior modification. Just to try to get our children to figure out how to make their way through the the world to get along with others, it's got to be a bigger goal than that. The goal of Christian parenting is to help our children see that they need Jesus. God has the power to destroy the soul in hell, but he also has the power to save our children. To love them, and to give them eternal life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and it readies hearts to hear the message of the gospel. So parents, teaching your children that they should fear the Lord opens the door for your responsibility to do evangelism in your own house, for teaching them the gospel. In my life, this has provided wonderful opportunities for us to have gospel conversations in the home. So what begins, you know, inevitably, as sin committed by one of our children or both of our children together, combined, of course, with their childishness, their their young age, has led to countless times of opportunity to share the gospel. 
And of course, our parenting response of discipline is included in that, but we're wanting to help them understand the fear that they should have of the Lord, but also to understand what God has done for them through Jesus. This has given us the opportunity to teach our children that God loves them and has sent his son into the world to die on the cross for the sins that they have just committed. That if they by faith believe in Jesus and turn away from their sins, they can be saved. Knowing that they owe an account to the Lord is very important for them to understand why they need to have Jesus in the first place. Now, parents, you also need to keep in mind that your own fear of the Lord is not just a grace to you, but is also a blessing to your children. So listen to this proverb. It's amazing. Proverbs 14.26 says, Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and their children will find refuge in it. Did you know it says that? So this means that you can fear the Lord not only for your own sake, but also for the sake of your children. Knowing the fear of the Lord should lead you to pray for your children, and that's a blessing to your children. It should lead you to asking God to graciously work in their hearts right now because you know they need a Savior, whether they're in, interested in those things right now at all. You pray because you fear the Lord and you trust that He alone can save your children. You pray for them that they might have open hearts to receive the gospel, to receive His word, to receive the scriptures that can make them wise for salvation. You know, we can do this for other people as well. Parents can do it for our children, but we can do this for unbelievers around us in our neighborhood and our cities. Our fear of the Lord leads us to act on their behalf to pray for them, and to seek out gospel conversations. Another way that you can fear the Lord and so bless your children, parents, is that you can help them to see in your own life your daily display of faith and repentance. Because it does really matter that your children see you living for Christ. That your children see you spending time in God's Word. See you spending time uh, on your knees in prayer. So, you should talk with your children daily about what is most precious to you, about what's most important. If you know God, then that should lead you to regularly talking with your children about the Lord. It should also lead you to, when you sin, to repent of your sins and to ask for forgiveness, including if you should ask forgiveness of your own children who you may sin against. This has happened many, many, many times in my family. But it always leads also to opportunities to share about how I needed a Savior and how my children need a Savior too. So that's priority number one. Fear the Lord and also teach your children that they should fear the Lord. Now priority number two is that we should treasure God's Word and so teach our children that they should treasure God's word. So parents, where do you go for wisdom? Where do you go for true wisdom? You know, do you scour the internet for parenting? I know that I do that often. You know, um, do you listen to podcasts? Is that like one of your places to go for wisdom? Do you rely on your experience? 
You know, what truth do you really stake your parenting on? Or even your own life on? Well, above all of those things that I mentioned, there are some good things in those places. Is that we must go to God's word. So in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 4, a man named Augur wrote these words. He said, Who has ascended into heaven and has come down? Who has gathered the winds up in his fist? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. Now, doubtless, as I'm reading that, you may have other passages of Scripture that actually sound very similar come to mind, like when God spoke to Job from the whirlwind. Or in Isaiah chapter 40, where Isaiah asks these questions, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? And marked off the heavens with a span, and closed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains and scales and hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Well, the answers to these questions simply is that. No human being is like that or has done these things. Only God. And if God is incomparable, if there really is no one like him, and if he has spoken to us through his word, shouldn't we listen to him? Shouldn't he be first for us to go to for wisdom and knowledge? Shouldn't we hold on fast to his word, not just for some things, but for everything, that God is actually the one sufficient for parenting. Proverbs answers this with a resounding yes. We should go to him and go to his word. Not only is there no one like our God, but he has spoken to us. So this is what Augur says right after the verses I just read. He says this in verses 5 and 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you, and you found to be a liar. So, of course, taken in its larger context, the word of God is the Bible. The whole counsel of of the word of God is something we need to treasure. Something that we consistently go to for wisdom. Proverbs 13.13 says, Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself. But he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. And then in 1620, it says, Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good. Blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. So sometimes in Proverbs, if you take statements like these on their own, apart from the fact that they are scriptures, sometimes you may be tempted to think that the Proverbs are simply or merely practical, common sense things written down from a theistic worldview. But these are not merely common sense words. They are words from God, by God, given to us from God. So let's think of it this way. Of what ultimate value would your best wisdom be to give to your children if that wisdom wasn't found in the Scripture? Of what real, or what real wisdom do you even have if it's not God's wisdom? You know, parents, of what of greatest value comes from your own discipleship 
that you can pass on as truth and wisdom and instruction to your children? Well, it comes from God's words. So Proverbs 4, 4 through 6, this is from a father to his son. It says, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, referring to wisdom, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. Well, merely human wisdom cannot keep these promises. But God's wisdom found in his word can. Now, also in the Proverbs that we've been considering, don't you hear in these words like a passion that the Father has for this wisdom? And why wouldn't he be passionate? If his son would embrace these things and treasure this wisdom, his son would live and be kept and be guarded. So parenting, parents, if, if your parenting is faithful to God's word, you know, consider this amazing truth from Proverbs 1.3. It starts with a negative. It says, whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself. The positive is here. But he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. So if you revere God's word, you'll be rewarded with this fountain of life and turn away from the snares of death. Of course, when we're talking about God's word, we can go on and on. But let's consider some practical, important implications. So parents, how should you treasure the word of God in a way that impacts your children? Well, first and foremost, you need to learn to submit in every way to the word of God. So if you treasure God's word, then nothing's to be discarded. Nothing's to be disregarded. Everything in it needs to be taken seriously as the word of God. It's from the truth of God's word that we can know Christ and be saved. It's from the truth of God's word that we may keep in step with the spirit and so walk with him. It's from the truth of God's word that we may live the Christian life. And so shine as lights in the world and be ready for the return of Christ. So parents, treasure God's word yourselves by becoming eager students of the Bible. And if you already are, walk in it. Keep it up. Drink in God's word. Let your children see that you treasure God's word. You do this primarily by reading it regularly, instructing your children from it, and then living according to it. And parents, if you're not doing this right now, today's a great day to start, right? Like God has been gracious to you and has given you this day. So if that's you this morning, change course and dive into God's word. If you don't know where to start, then grab somebody in this room and ask them. Ask an elder, how can I help lead my family to treasure God's word? Now, how can you teach your children to treasure God's word? Well, The best way is to tell them what God's Word says. This is the most fascinating, awesome book that's ever been written or ever will be written. And as much as I like many other books, this is it. And so if you are excited about God's Word, then show it through as you teach your children. And of course, if you're not, then you need to recalibrate yourself a bit and dive into it and see that the greatest treasure of words ever written down 
are in the scriptures. So help your children to see your love of God's word by teaching it to them. But there are other ways that you can teach your children to treasure God's word. Um, Some of it is through your daily life. How you schedule your life matters. So you should schedule your life according to how God's word encourages you or gives you wisdom about how you should schedule your life. So you should be gathering together with a church family, with a church body, every Sunday that you are in town. You should be here. And you should tell your children that the reason why you're here is because God's word says so. You should be using your spiritual gifts to serve the needs of the church and to do ministry. And when your children wonder why you're doing that on a Wednesday night, you should say, God's word tells me I should serve. And you can think of many other ways. Show them from the scriptures the wisdom and the reasons why you do what you do as a family. So that's priority number two. Treasure God's word and teach your children to treasure God's word. Number three is that parents need to receive correction yourselves, ourselves, and to help our children to see the need for correction. So did you know that in the Proverbs, there is a verse that's essentially repeated word for word, also in the New Testament, twice? So that proverb is found in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. It says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. This is quoted in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6, and Jesus says the same words or part of the verse in Revelation as he's speaking to the church at Laodicea. The same idea also comes out in Deuteronomy 8, 5, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty two, Second 2 Samuel 7, 14, Job 5, 17, and Psalm 94, 12. And I just stopped counting at that point. The point here is that discipline, correction is really important. And that one of the ways that God shows his love to us is by correcting us and causing us to see how we need to grow. One of the ways, one of the things that we need most as God's children, and therefore our children need as well, is discipline and correction. Twelve times the word discipline comes up in the book of Proverbs, but there are other words that are related to that Hebrew word that come up again and again. And so this shows that there's this broad range of meaning, of, of circumstances, that the idea of correction or discipline is meant to be applied You think of things like instruction, that's a discipline for our minds, training, admonishment, warning, correction, chastisement, rebuke, and so on. Now, many of those words start to give us a little feeling of pain, of reminder of pain. What this means is that discipline, rightly understood, is something that's never easy, but it's always good. It's never easy. It's always good. That it's never easy, Hebrews makes it clear. He says, for in the moment, all discipline is painful rather than pleasant. All of it. But if it's done appropriately, it's always good. So the passage in Hebrews continues, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So parents, if you love your children, you are first and called to be the kind of father, the kind of mother 
who receives correction from the Lord yourself that you might grow. And you're called to help your children see that as a part of their healthy fear of the Lord, as they're part of understanding their need for a Savior, is that they need to be corrected. So parents, if you love your children, you have to discipline them when they need it. And in wisdom, you need to do it in the most appropriate um, way that fits the circumstance or fits the occasion. So as God the Father loves us and disciplines his children for our good, we are called as parents to use this God-given toolbox that we have of discipline as a means of loving our children and training them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Now, your toolbox at home contains various tools for various occasions, right? You have your screwdrivers, your wrenches, your hammers, other things that are in the toolbox, and you know what's needed for a given application. Well, similarly, God has given us many different things, tools to use for discipline. You know, you might think about um, a child needing a warning, a child needing physical discipline, a child needing correction, a child needing to just learn some, something new, to receive instruction. All of this is in the realm of God wanting to form us through wisdom and through correction. Now, receiving correction is, is not easy, but if it's done biblically, it's always good. So parents, your children need to see in your own life that you are correctable. That they see the wisdom and goodness of instruction and correction happening in your own life. What that will do is that will help your child to see that this is for everyone. Now, if you're a child, uh, there are a couple of important things for you to know about discipline as well. Number one is that your parents are not perfect, but they are loving you if they are disciplining you. So Hebrews says of our earthly parents that they would discipline in the way that they saw best uh, with the wisdom that the Lord had given them. God, in his own wisdom, chooses to use parents even imperfectly so that he can discipline us perfectly. Number two for kids, Proverbs 15.32 tells us that if you despise discipline, that you actually despise yourself. And then it also says in Proverbs 19.18 that discipline helps, us bring, uh, helps bring life into our lives while a lack of discipline leads to mortal danger. So children, discipline is probably not your favorite thing about your childhood. That's normal. However, as you grow... You should grow in the sense of wisdom and thankfulness that God allowed you to be corrected rather than to allow your sin to run its course. So that's point number three. Parents receive correction and teach your children their need to receive correction. Now let's look at point number four. We need to learn self-control, parents, and also to teach our children that they need to learn self-control. This priority for parenting flows out of the other ones. So if those other ones are not at work, self-control is really hard. Self-control is really hard anyways. Self-control ultimately is something that the Holy Spirit gives as a fruit, as Galatians 5.23 says. But that self-control is manifestly important, is, is at work in Proverbs. So Proverbs 25.28 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. I like to think of self-control as being like a buffer for discipleship. 
a buffer of spiritual maturity, a spiritual strength and wisdom that truly readies us for any opportunity to say yes to what is good and to say no to what is wrong or doesn't honor God. In order to possess self-control, you need the Holy Spirit, and then you need to be trained in it. But then you also need knowledge and wisdom from God's Word. So you see how these things build off of one another. When the wisdom of truths from Scripture are on your heart, coupled together with self-control from the Holy Spirit, then as you're going through life, you're equipped to honor God and to say no to those things that dishonor God. So in that moment of temptation, it's self-control that's necessary that you would have this buffer that by God's grace would keep you from acting in sin and give you the strength to act in faith. Parents, that you're not going to be perfect in self-control, all of us is evident in the fact that Paul wrote Romans chapter 7. So Paul, even knowing the right thing to do, found himself at times doing the wrong thing. And one thing that we can take from that is that we always need to grow in self-control. If Paul needed it, then we need it. And it's something that we should be working on and seeking from the Holy Spirit the rest of our lives. But how can we teach our children to learn the importance of self-control? Let me give you an example from our younger children. If I've got two younger children, so let's say the younger sibling is picking on the older sibling and they're not going to stop until the older sibling finally reacts. Well, in a moment of a lack of self-control, you can imagine what might happen. Some kind of retaliation, right? So what you want to see is like that's a teaching moment to say you should have shown patience. You should have used the wisdom that God has been teaching you uh, to figure out something other than to do than to blow up at them, right? So it's a good opportunity to talk about that and the gospel. But then I know that myself as a parent, I can retaliate too, whether it's an argument with my spouse, whether it's uh, 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 getting angry behind the wheel, wheel or something like that, it's the retaliations there. And so our children need to also see us practicing self-control. It can be really confusing to them if they don't see it. But then, of course, if we fail at self-control, that they see us fear the Lord by asking for forgiveness and acknowledging what we had done was wrong. Of course, there's so much more that we could say about this as well. I'm going to give you some applications. These will be quick. Parents, you have this great and awesome task. Just trust God that he would give you the grace to parent your children by passing on to them what's most important. That you know God, that you know the gospel, and you live for Christ. There's no more important role that you can have than to be a tool used by God to form a human soul. Also, parents, don't go at this alone. You are called to be the primary disciplers of your children, but you're not called to be the solo disciplers of your children. Seek wisdom and insight from the family of God. Get your children involved in ministry as well so that they can be poured into by others. They're a blessing in your life. You have the primary role, but we are here to go along with you in that journey of parenting. You know, if you're a single here, you may wonder, what can I do about this? Um, help out parents. Help them out by serving in ministries like the children's ministry. 
Help them out by getting to know them in the home fellowships and helping them to see that these are godly young men and women that can be a a great blessing to the lives of your children. Consider even offering a a family a chance to babysit their kids so that they can go out and work on their marriage by having a good date. There are lots of different ways. Just think through how you could be a blessing. Then finally, children, treasure your parents, but treasure God more. God gave you your parents and there's nothing more that would give joy to your parents than to see you walking with the lord let's go to the lord in prayer our father we thank you so much for this amazing calling to be parents i pray father that you would equip us to love our kids by teaching them the fear of the lord by treasuring god's word by receiving correction and helping them grow in self-control The greatest thing, Father, that we want is to see the young people in this church believe in Jesus, trust in him, and walk with him. And we know that we cannot do that on our own. That is something that you must do. But we know that you do it through the means of parenting. So, Lord, we just pray that you would equip our church family, that we'd see the many, many kids in this church love Jesus. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.